Hello and welcome to this audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. Thank you for joining us. On each episode of this program, Earl, a former LDS bishop, interviews a former Mormon guest about their journey out of Mormonism and into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories are encouraging, fascinating, and often moving. For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl. Good evening and welcome to the Ex-Mormon Files here in the heart of Salt Lake City. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and I appreciate you spending some of your evening with us. This week and next week, I've invited a special guest, um, someone that I think you'll find very interesting, and I'm, I'm excited to hear his story. Uh, it, it's uh, Pastor Jim Catlin. Thanks for coming. Great to be here. He's the pastor of the uh, Great to be here. Um, Main Street Church in Brigham City. And he's never been LDS, but he's been here for 11 years. That's what makes me a special guest. I've never I been guess. LDS. <laughs> and uh, so we've invited him to share, and I think he's got some very interesting things to share with us. One thing I did want to mention is that this program wouldn't even be on the air right now if it weren't for Jim Catlin and Scott Johnson and a few others, Main Street Church, for their love and support of this show. As you may know, we, we went through a period where we weren't on the air, and Jim and Scott felt like there was something here that uh, was of value, and so they approached me and asked me if I wanted to continue. And so with their, again, love and support, we've been able to continue on and be able to share these wonderful stories of people who have been Mormon, have uh, made a transition out, and are now Christian. So anyway, Jim, we're, again, happy to have you here. Oh, it's just a, it's a great, I just love Love being with you. Have enjoyed getting to meet you and Carlin, get to and love you and yeah. and the program. And maybe we'll get more chance later on to talk about you know why we even do the program because it's it's something that's I know it's near and dear to your heart, but yeah. to us as well for oh, for, for sure. reasons that a lot of people I don't think quite understand. So. Yeah, probably. So we'll get to that. Well, to begin with, let's uh, just cover a little bit about your background. Where Will were you I? born and right. raised and all? Well, I wasn't born in Utah. Okay. <laughs> In fact, when I first moved here 11 years ago, I was asked, when do I get to go back to my people? And I, I said, I don't really know who my people are, really, you know, yeah. but, I, but I was born in Maryland, right outside of Washington, D.C., in oh. a suburban community there. Everyone on my street worked for the federal government, which would made for an interesting kind yeah. of street. Yeah. And uh, uh, was born in Maryland, raised there, up through high school. In high school, our family moved overseas to England, so I lived in England for a while. Wow. And uh, just loved that, lived in London, and then from there came back to the States, to the West Coast, to California, to Palo Alto. So right in the shadow of Stanford University. And, yeah. uh, and it was there that I got, I finished high school, got my college degrees, all that kind of, and then got my first job right, still right there in Palo Alto with HP. So Hewlett-Packard. Uh, with Hewlett-Packard, yeah. And so. in our discussions earlier, I understand you've met Hewlett and Packard. Met, met both of them, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Knew their secretaries really well, too, because I had to go into their offices. Yeah, so you were <laughs> an engineer? Were I was an engineer with them in research, research and development, and uh, okay. have a couple degrees in electrical engineering. So, and my specialty was really communications electrical engineering. So how do you, how do you communicate with satellites and uh, wow. deep space probes and that kind of stuff? So Really on the forefront of the uh, initial 
change uh, the technology that was yeah, going a lot on? Yeah, a lot of technology. In fact, the last thing I did before I left there was worked on cell phone technology because it was uh, with the, the new digital cell phones were coming out. A lot of people don't know cell phones were just analog at one time and they didn't do anything fancy. They Is just that those talked. big ones that the they big used bricks, to carry? Those, yeah. Those were analog? Those are totally analog. They didn't do anything special. And then when the digital phones came out, uh, some vice presidents of the company approached two or three of us across the company and said, we have a task for you. You have to figure out how to make $2 billion of more revenue for the com company okay. with cell phones. So that was the last thing I worked on and, and we didn't do it. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. So and that was 11 years ago? Uh, no, that? further back. That was okay. back in 95. So that's oh, okay. been 20 years ago now. 20 okay. years ago I left I left HP. So. so where did you go immediately after that? Well, yeah, so I worked in the Bay Area for HP uh, for a couple years and then moved with them when they started a new division in Spokane, Washington. Oh, okay. And we were making radio products for cell phones and stuff up there and wow. was there for a number of years. And then after a total of about 17, 18 years with the company, I left HP and went into full-time ministry with the church there. Okay, so. well, I'm going to ask you about that, but before we do, when yeah. did you meet Dorothy in this process? Oh, in California. She grew up in Palo Alto. Oh, so okay. when I moved to California uh, from England, and I was still in high school, we met in a play in high school. Oh my goodness. We were, and we in were cast high school. We were cast as husband and wife in a play, <laughs> and she played my wife. I played uh, a pastor of a small town church. And <laughs> oh my goodness! And it was called the flattering word. We we still chuckle about that. But uh, yeah, we met in a play, and we were cast as husband and wife, and, and here and, we are. And so later on, you marry. And, and how and many children? Do you later have? on, got four kids, all grown out of the house. Okay. So we're empty nesters. And okay. Yeah, and they're scattered all over the country: Fairbanks, Denver, uh, Valdosta, Georgia. Oh one goodness. one who's in Salt Lake now, but he's actually moving to Seattle. So wow, they're all over the place. Uh, Mom and Dad, were they religious? And what was your religious background? Yeah, my dad wasn't very much. In fact, not at all, yeah. in fact. Uh, my mom was sort of, she had a Methodist upbringing. And mm. so on Sundays, she would try taking us to church, to a Methodist church on Sundays. But uh, but it was very infrequent. I don't remember much about it. So yeah. Brothers I, and sisters, did you have? Yeah, I have two brothers. Okay. Uh, one of them died a few years ago, but oh. yeah, two brothers. I'm the middle of three brothers, so okay. I'm the middle child syndrome person, <laughs> whatever right. that is. Whatever that that is. is. You're <laughs> it, huh? I'm, I'm it, yeah. So, so not yeah. a heavy, strong, you would say, no, religious background? No, and I have almost no memories of what we did in church or what was said there. Okay. Uh, and it, was, it was very infrequent. Um, yeah, it was, I wouldn't call it a religious home at all, but my mom tried and my dad kind of resisted it, and yeah. so she still persisted. And so you're up in Spokane. Up in Spokane. Working for HP. Yeah. What yeah. happens? Well, I went into ministry uh, against my will. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's like what that's I like to tell people. Because, I, because from a really small child, I was one of those little kids that played with buzzers and wires and, and batteries and stuff like that. I was going to engineer the world. My hero was Thomas Edison. And so that's what I really liked. And what then we call left brain, are you? Yeah, I just I just loved the whole process. Got a couple of degrees in electrical engineering, I, and they paid me to do what I love to do. Wow! And uh, and it was it was just it was a perfect job situation for me. Just loved it. And HP had a huge reputation at the time. Oh sure. So Dorothy and I went on a vacation to the Oregon coast, and one night I told her I'm going to go out on the beach and just kind of just enjoy the beach sounds and walk in the dark and you know just enjoy this place. And I got a couple steps onto the beach. And God said, I mean, literally <laughs> said, you're leaving engineering and you're going to ministry full time. And you had no thought of this I before? I had no thought of this. A, okay. No thought of this. I was doing great in my job. I loved my job. I mean, kids, nice home, 
uh, an income far in excess of what I needed in Spokane. I mean, everything was perfect, and God says that's the end of that. And, and did you look around to see who was talking? <laughs> almost. But, but, you know, a lot of people have said, did you hear something verbal, audio? I said, well, no, but I, I got the message. It yeah. stopped me dead in my tracks on the beach, and, and I looked up in the sky, and I said, no, it's not going to happen. And I, then I headed off the beach, basically arguing with God for about a mile and a half down the beach. I turned around and came back, argued all the way, saying, this is who I am. This is what I love to do. This is what I wanted to do since I was a little kid. And uh, when I got to the edge of the beach, then where I had to come back where Dorothy was in our hotel room, I was going to leave the beach, I realized the conversation was done. But it wasn't a conversation. I had argued, and God hadn't said anything in response until I got ready to leave the beach. And I said, God, this is who I am. And I heard very clearly from him, you haven't got a clue who you are. Oh and it stopped the conversation. <laughs> I came in the hotel room, and, uh, and as soon as I walked through the door of the hotel room, Dorothy says, what happened? And she thought I'd been mugged. She could tell something. Yeah, yeah. she thought I'd been mugged. And she asked me, did, we, did, someone, did someone mug you? And I said, well, in a manner of speaking, yeah. Oh and it was goodness. just a couple of years later. I, I knew from that encounter I w that was going to change, but I knew it wasn't going to be immediate. I, and I can't tell you how I knew that. And then uh, I laid time of a test in front of God and said, well, God, if you're really going to do this, Here's my test. If I ever come into work someday and I have nothing to do, which you know, then I'll believe that you made the change because I don't want to leave them in the lurch. You know, they rely on me for a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, and I knew that was never going to happen because I was balancing so many so projects many going. Yeah. yeah, and I always had. I was the guy who had too much to do. And then, literally one day, a couple years later, I came into work and my boss sat down and says, "Well, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but we have nothing for you to do." And this bell went off in my head, and I said, well, it's time. <laughs> and I told them, and I left there, and then started working full-time in the church that I had been attending. So. Oh, my goodness. What, Dorothy yeah. supportive? I mean, yeah, yeah. I know I, she certainly I'm is now. A little now. freaked out, a little yeah. freaked out. But, I mean, to go from a corporate income, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, and to change all that. And my income literally went well below half of what I was making before. Sure, sure. So... You know, any anytime someone says, "Well, you're just in the ministry to make money," I say, "No, no, no, wait. <laughs> you don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing very well, and I made yeah. a great sacrifice to do this." So. Would you change anything at this point? Hey, a few, oh, a lot of stuff uh, uh, financially, things, but, but but the big picture of the yeah. of the two, you're grateful to. Yeah, in fact, it was it was such a good change. I look back and I think. What an idiot I would have been if I, if I had dug in my heels and said no to God. Because from that point on, I mean, life changed a lot. Yeah. It was just the regular rhythm of what I do and who I spend time with. And uh, I spent more time with people than I did with transistors, which is a great thing, you know. But, but boy, such good memories of where God took me from that point. And eventually, through that, it brought me here. So. Wow. Now, I guess... Uh, just because we haven't talked about this exactly, was this yeah. what you'd call your born again moment then? Well, actually that happened much earlier, back when I was 15. Uh, oh, really? Just before we moved to England. I was, I was still going to high school in, in uh, Maryland, where I grew up, and uh, it, again, a very odd thing. We had, there was a New Year's, it was a New Year's Eve, and uh, everyone had left the house except my younger brother and I, and uh, we watched the ball come down in Times Square, went to bed, and as I was going to bed, I, I sat on the edge of my bed and looked out the window at the stars, just kind of, I wasn't troubled by anything. But again, in a very strange way, God came and said, okay, you're at a fork in the road. You can either follow me or follow yourself. <laughs> so, at 15. At 15, wow. and I'm thinking, well, what is this all about? But there was, there was a very strong sense that I was really at a, a very coherent fork in the road. And 
I could choose to, to follow God or follow me. And at that point, I could, you know, the story goes long because we had a conversation just like on the beach in a sense. And, <laughs> and, but I knew, I knew that if I ever went to sleep that night and said, well, that was just crazy. It must have been the pizza, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. I, there was no way that if I ever met God face to face, he could say, well, what part of that didn't you get? Because I got it. I got it. And at that point, I said, I said to him, I, th I think it's, a it's in my best interest. I think you love me more than I love myself that I'll go ahead and, and follow you. That's what I'm going to well, do. God has had his eye on you before. And, and, and then everything changed after that, suddenly. Well, in fact, one, you know, this is kind of funny, one PS on that is while I was giving my life to the Lord, I said, after I did that, I said, but, but here's a problem. I can't talk to people. I was, I was seriously shy. I would actually get physically nauseous when I talked to people. And the idea of talking in front of a lot of people would just would make me black out almost. And so now, hearing you and knowing you as I do now, I find that so surprising. See, and yeah. I and I look backwards and I say that's one of my biggest evidences that God did something big because because I told him, listen, if this is going to involve me talking to people, <laughs> you're going to have to do something about this because yeah. this is not part of who I am. Oh my goodness. And so I told him. So I, I really I thought he was going to send me to New Guinea and to talk to the strangers or natives there, and, <laughs> and I couldn't do that. And you know, if he had shown me the future and said, here, let me show you what it's going to be like. You're going to be standing in front of hundreds of people, oh thousands sometimes. I would yeah. have backed out. So that's yeah. why he doesn't show you the future because <laughs> you can't handle <laughs> it, be, really. You would know. be afraid of what but he's yeah, going to do in your but life. But a remarkable change, and wow. I can't take any credit for that. It just Okay, happens. so now you're in Spokane. You've in Spokane. You started working yeah. in the church that you were attending there. Right, doing youth okay. work. And then I what happened? How, does, how do you get to Utah? Well, I was doing youth work there in, in Spokane, and one of the things we did was we took a team of high schoolers on the road to do various kind of uh, mission things. Uh, and one of them was we'd, we'd bring a, a week-long vacation Bible school. We'd teach the high schoolers how to, you know, be with little kids for a week, and we'd go to rural areas. Well, we were doing it in a rural area in California, and then... Um, uh, met someone from, from Brigham City, in fact, the pastor there, Joel Kramer, while we were doing oh, some of this okay. stuff, he came down to do some other things, and he says, gosh, it'd be wonderful if you could bring a team to come to Brigham City. So the year after that, that's what we did. We did two weeks. So we took these, took these high schools on the road, did a week of ministry in, in rural California and then rural Utah in Brigham yeah. City. That established a connection there. And then some years later, Joel called up and said, you know, I think, I think God's leading me to spend full time working on films. Uh, he'd done, uh, he and Scott had done uh, DNA versus the Book of Mormon, and we're moving on to the second film, and said, I think I need to be freed up from pastoring the church in Brigham City to do this full-time. Would you come and pastor down here? Would you be interested? And, uh, and I said no, because yeah. the church I'm in, I helped found as well as being up to my eyeballs busy. Oh, sure. And then some catastrophes happened there, and I was suddenly free at the same time <laughs> that they needed some. In fact, he called me one night and said, you know, we just had a meeting of our leadership up here and said, uh, we, we want to call someone to come and pastor here, and yours is the only name that came up. And I said, well, it's a funny coincidence. Tonight, I just got released from my church here. Two completely separate issues. Oh, my goodness. So we came down here in 2004 and have been here ever since. You certainly see God's hand in all of yeah, this. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, very, sure. it's very orchestrated. There's no way. I had a, uh, you know, a big plan in life, and I, and I followed yeah. it. God just says, here you go, here you go, here you go. Yeah. Let me ask you kind of a... A, not a technical question, but maybe more of a doctrinal question in a way. I get this every once in a while. Where yeah. does a pastor get his authority? Oh, that was one of the first questions I was asked when I came to Utah. Was it? I got in an argument on the phone. So where do you get your authority? Your and your... I And I didn't even know where that was coming from. I said, what do you mean where do I get my authority? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and in fact, in my case, it's interesting. I never went to seminary. 
So I can't claim my authority came from my education. From the books or something. From, huh? some, yeah. from some graduate training. It's yeah. not from that. And, and the issue is, is that in, in the Christian church, we don't count on authority coming through men. We count on it coming directly through the Word and from God directly. Yeah. So, you know, God stopped me on the beach <laughs> and said, you're going to be doing this. I'm calling and, you. And, and one of my biggest problems I had with God in, in this whole process of transitioning is I said, well, i got to go and get a degree in this because if I don't have a degree, I don't have credentials. And if I don't have credentials, no one will hire me to be a pastor. Yeah. And he said, got it all worked out. You don't need credentials. And I haven't needed credentials, so yeah. I don't think Paul. Uh, Paul didn't. Paul Peter didn't. didn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but but I, I understand the authority thing. But for, from a from a strict biblical perspective, we don't want our authority to come down through men. We want it to come strict from the from the Word itself. From the word and from, and God, from and I mean, if the Spirit can be in all of us, why can't any yeah. of us? You know? I've really appreciated that about uh, the Christian movement in, in the fact that knowing that it makes me realize that there never was an apostasy. That there right. has always been God in us, if where God two or three are spirit, gathered. Yeah. And they've, we've had the Word ever since yeah. Jesus' time. So yeah. Jesus is the only high priest and so on. I mean, the authority thing is, is really... What else did yeah. you learn? Did you know much about Mormons before... Uh, well, you, you probably ran into some in Palo Alto. Or, in Palo Alto we did, yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, uh, it's not well known, but HP, when, when Hewlett and Packard started um, hiring engineers back in the 30s and 40s, uh, they, they got a, a, a big batch out of Utah. <laughs> and then well, those, we have a school of engineering at yeah, the U. and very well known, it turns yeah, out. So yeah. it, it turns out a lot of the hiring inside the company uh, was disproportionately came out of Utah. So there were, there were a lot of Mormons. Yeah. And so when I went to Spokane especially, a lot of the a lot of the HP Mormons moved to Spokane if they had a chance to transfer because it was more Mormon country in a sense, oh. and so Closer even sort of Idaho, I guess. Yeah, North so. Idaho, Eastern Washington, yeah. in fact, the whole corridor north and south of here. So there was there were quite a few there, and I had I had uh, a succession of bosses that I worked for who were all Mormon, mm. just loved them to death. I mean, some of the some of the neatest people I have ever met in my entire life. And then when I went into management. I started having a succession of employees who were Mormons and uh, just just loved them. I mean, I got to tell you, and, it, and I'll go on record saying the best work ethic of anyone who ever worked for me came out of the Mormon community, wow. <coughs> without question, yeah. without question. So, well, a lot of them probably returned missionaries, people that knew how to yeah. work and, yeah. and were dedicated and committed family people. Great and work ethics, yet all yeah. of that goes together. So it, yeah. it was just great. So that's where I really got exposed to Mormons as working at HP. And yeah. seeing their work ethic and seeing their their consideration. You ever for get approached to join? Uh, yes. Somebody yeah. throw you a book of Mormon. Or yeah. Something? Well, in fact, they had a, my boss at the time. They had an open house at his ward, and this this I, this must have been in the eighties. And uh, he said, uh, "Why don't you come and just check us out? We're doing I don't know what it was. It was like a special service just for visitors. I, I'm not sure I've ever just heard of this ever again. But they had a service, and the kids were up there singing, and uh, it was. And someone spoke, and yeah. anyway, afterwards he said, let's go to my house, we'll have some ice cream, we can talk about what you saw. And he said, do you have any questions? And I said, well, well, yeah. Uh, I don't see anything different from what I saw tonight from anything I've experienced in a Christian church. And, and he was kind of proud of that. And yeah. I said, but no, I'm actually sort of offended by that. Why would you be offended? I said, well, because I wanted to come and find out what's unique about Mormonism that it has to offer to me, and you didn't showcase that at all. Mm. I don't really know what you're offering. You just worked really hard to look like me and that's not what I wanted to find out 
So he was a little miffed by that. <laughs> but we talked more. We talked more at length after that. But but that was the attempt. And I told him, listen, I really want to talk about what's different because if you've got something great to offer that I don't have, I don't know what that is, and I still don't after tonight. So what is it? And to this day, that's that's that usually is the center of my conversation with most Mormons. Is I know you're different, but you're working hard not to look different, and I want to know what's so great about Mormonism that I don't have. And that's a frustration when I talk to missionaries. Interesting. Yeah. So did you have uh, any experience in, in, in Spokane? Well, after you became a pastor, I mean, did you run into Mormon missionaries or anything? No, it pretty much stopped. Most of my exposure was with, yeah. was with my employees and stuff like that. So not any, until I came to Utah. Any former Mormons come to you up in Spokane? Or? Nope, never met any there either. I didn't know that Mormons ever left the Mormon church. Oh, okay. <laughs> not until so, you got down here. Not until I, I got down here, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's see. So, as far as uh, kind of going back to the authority thing, then yeah. pastors are able to baptize and right. perform weddings right. and and again, you go back to the and Bible and you look at you know what does the Bible say in terms of constraining who gets to baptize? Well, it doesn't say. Yeah. It really doesn't say. Yeah. Uh, doing weddings, it doesn't say. Yeah. <clears throat> and you know, to, to be fair, a lot of a lot of what Joseph Smith did when he created his theology, he filled in those cracks of it doesn't say. And yeah. a lot of religions will do that. Yeah. But, but biblically, if it doesn't say, then um, it implicitly means that there is no authority required. Yeah. So, uh, Did you ever, and we're kind of jumping around a little bit, we yeah. may do that for the next day or, <laughs> or for these couple of interviews, but yeah. so did you ever, had you ever heard that Joseph Smith was given the Aaronic priesthood, the Levitical priesthood? Did that ever no, surprise you? No, I never you heard that? that until I got to Utah. Yeah. Got to Utah and I heard that, and I said, well, wait a second, biblically, <laughs> Wait, that doesn't make any sense to me. And you have to understand, I think this is what I, what I want a lot of listeners to realize, is that uh, people like myself who've been immersed in biblical Christianity their entire lives, you know, and, and have read so much of the Bible, when something like this comes to us, we say, well, let me access what I know about the Bible, about the Aaronic priesthood. Yeah. And I go, well, wait, that doesn't line up with anything I've ever read. In fact, it doesn't, not because there's a gap, it doesn't speak on it, but it says the opposite. You don't, you yeah. don't do that. It's given to the Levitical, yeah. um, to the tribe of Levi. And Right, so, so biblical Christians will always compare that to their measuring stick in their head, and that's the Bible. And so that's why they'll always come back quickly and say, well, where's that in the Bible? And I, I had to realize really early on talking to my boss when we talk about religious issues that, you know, we, we got, I forgot what the topic was, but one time we got talking, oh, with faith and works. We got on faith and works. And I said, uh, well, this is what the Bible says about this. And I said, what, are your, what does your stuff say? And he says, well, I'll bring it to you tomorrow. So the next day at work, he comes in with a stack of Ensign magazines. <laughs> and I said, well, what is this? <laughs> well, those, that's, those are the words of current you know, scripture. <laughs> current scripture. And I said, well, this, this doesn't have anything to do with this. And, and so you soon, you soon find out that you know, recent revelation is much more reliable in a Mormon mindset than old revelation. Yeah. And so you have to get past that kind of thing. But a Christian's always going to use the Bible as a measuring stick. And you talk about Aaronic priesthood, and then you talk about Melchizedek priesthood. Well, yeah, there's no Melchizedek priesthood mentioned in the New Testament. Certainly not in the Book of Mormon either. Yeah, but, yeah I ask missionaries, show me the top five Melchizedek priests in the New Testament. Yeah. Well, there aren't any. Show me one. Well, show me one. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> right, right. So, so yeah, that, that's kind of a toughie. So we're always going to measure it against that. And we're always going to test new revelation against that as a standard. Yeah. So, you know, I don't really have anything against new revelation, but it better not conflict because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He's not going to say things differently today than He did last time. So. so what surprised you the most about Mormonism as you started learning about it? Anything? 
there's oh there's just I just so I'm trying to narrow it down. <laughs> I I think what really surprises me is the the strong authoritarian structure of it. I, I knew that was part of the church, and you know that's from the priesthood, but it's so strong that it tends to mask uh, people's um, tendency to to think critically about certain things. So you know you place something on the table for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna think critically, I'm gonna weigh it against what I know in the Bible and stuff like that. But I was surprised that Mormons never did that. They never weighed those things. It was as though if it says this from, you know, from an authority, yeah. it's more godly to just accept it than it is to weigh it. Weighing it actually is, is wrong. So that surprised me a lot. And certainly as an engineer and with what you, who you were running into, the Mormons in Palo Alto and so on, you must have been a little surprised maybe that they were as they lack that critical thinking in their religion. Right, right, yeah, and, and for me, uh, and for most Christians actually, but me especially since I have a scientific background, critical thinking is, is what you do. You never sure. accept anything at face value. Right. You always test it a little bit to sure. see what it is. So, and that's actually part of evangelical Christianity too, is take what's there. You know, Jesus said, Jesus said, be careful, there's false prophets. You know, Paul writes, test the spirit. So this yeah. critical thinking is part of biblical Christianity. Yeah. So when it was, when that's totally hands off in Mormon culture, especially Utah Mormon culture, that really shocked me. You really noticed the me. difference between oh, instantly. Salt Lake and yeah, Spokane. Instantly. And, yeah. yeah, Utah Mormonism is very different. Yeah, from Spokane Mormonism. <laughs> Well, you're not going to believe this, and oh, we've said it to others, but we're almost out of time. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I, I, I'd like to end on a positive note. Sure. Do you have something that you'd like to just maybe, I know we'll cover this some more probably, but just uh, something you'd share with the Yeah, the, we'll start talking about this and finish it later, but the real reason we do this and why I'm involved in what we're doing is because of who Jesus is. We're very pro, 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 pro Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, and my biggest desire for the people I worked with, Mormon friends, would be that they really get to understand the biblical Jesus. And I know most Mormons will say, well, I know the biblical yeah, I Jesus, but, but I got to tell don't. you, they don't. Yeah. And so that's what I want more than anything else. And yeah. So we'll, we'll pursue well, that. Well, we talked a little bit just earlier about this commonality. People come from so many different directions yeah. uh, with different backgrounds and everything else, but they come to a commonality of of, of of having their eyes open. Yeah, when they find Christ. Yeah. When they find Christ. And, it's an and the burden is lifted It's an off astonishing their similarity, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, with all these interviews we've seen, and people come from different backgrounds, everything, yeah. and yet their experience of meeting Christ has all the same fingerprint to it. Yeah. And that, that's all fascinating. All sounds the same. The, yeah. They now understand what grace is and the free gift and everything yeah. else. And you'd swear this is coming from some large organized religion that does it one way, but it's the spirit just yeah. drawing people and the same effect in the hearts of people. Wow. And that's exciting. Well, I appreciate you coming, and we'll yeah. uh, spend Pick another session or so on this. And uh, we appreciate you watching. I, uh, we do enjoy doing these programs and, and having interviews with people. And, and we, we do sense a love that we, I mean, I hope you sense a love that we have for Mormons. It's just Mormonism and the doctrines that are just non-biblical at this point. So, good night. This has been the audio edition of The Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com. From there, you can also download audio episodes of this program. If you have an Ex-Mormon story you would like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon. Music